Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This is the, the last message in our at last, at long last series uh, in these teachings. Psalms 1, Psalm 126 says, uh, When the Lord brought the captives back from Zion, we, we, we were like those who dream again, and our mouths were full of laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. There were songs of joy this morning, and laughter and song has been in short supply over the last year. Um, so today, at the close of this series, we're going to be looking at a moment when I, I believe heaven itself gasped uh, at long last because Jesus Christ became king enthroned forever. All right? Um, Jesus was enthroned. And, and, you know, that happened in this thing called, we call the ascension. Now, if any of you are from Catholic or Orthodox or maybe even Lutheran or Anglican backgrounds, you know that the ascension was a big deal. It was called a holy day of obligation. You were supposed to worship on that particular day in the same way you would for, for resurrection or for crucifixion. Or, in other words, it was, it was important from ancient, ancient times that the body of Christ would have a certain grasp of what it means for Jesus to have ascended to heaven. And, and so to that end, here's a, here's a question I have for everybody. If after the resurrection, most of us know that, Jesus in bodily form uh, appears to the disciples, he seems to be able to move freely back and forth between heaven and earth. I'm, I'm, you're with me on this, right? I mean, Jesus is in heaven with the Father, with the angels and all that. And he appears. He appears, uh, uh, Paul says, to, to, to 500 at one shot. And so there is this 40-day period where Luke says he's appearing, he's with the disciples, he's instructing them regarding the things of the kingdoms, kingdom of God. That's Acts chapter 1. And, and all of that's going on. Uh, and he visits with them, he eats with them, he drinks with them. And so I have a question. Why did there have to be an ascension? Don't you think that's a good question? Yeah, I mean, it's already going on, yeah? And so why couldn't he, he and we just carry on until he comes again and forget about this going up in a cloud and all that kind of stuff? Uh, and I think that's a great question. But even in the Apostles' Creed, right? Even in the Apostles' By the way, we taught on the Apostles' Creed a few years back. I'd love to do that again sometime because it's just so core uh, to what's important in our lives. So in the Apostles' Creed, it says he ascended into heaven and, and he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Well, what's important about that in ways that it, you know, that it wasn't happening before he did it. Huh? It's that kind of thing. So we evangelicals tend and have tended to ignore the ascension. And the question we should have is this. Is the ascension of Jesus as important in Scripture as resurrection and crucifixion? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, it is. 
And there's a real issue of timing here, okay? Because biblically, uh, uh, the ascension takes place 40 days. Watch, it takes place 40 days after the resurrection and 10 days before Pentecost. So we got a real crucifixion. We got a real resurrection. And the scripture in heaven and earth seem to declare that we have a very real ascension. We've got this, and then we have a very real Pentecost. These are all things that happened in our calendars on a specific day. And it seems important that we understand that, and more important that we can participate in it here. So just as we participate in what the crucifixion accomplished for us at long last, you know, we are regenerate, we are new creations, in Christ Jesus, our sins are forgiven. We participate in that. That's what we were doing this morning. That's how we live our lives. Even as we participate in, what the, re- in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said, not I will be resurrected. He said, I am the resurrection. So we look for resurrection power. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 on the wall over there, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. As Sobe said, I've been going through stuff, but you know what? I got a new vision of God. Something is happening. There's newness. There's life. There's something happens that we can participate in the resurrection. This is a new theology for most of us as evangelicals. It's not a new deal. But here's the thing, you know, if at long last we participate in the resurrection, if we participate in the crucifixion, what's the value and what, how do we participate in the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ? I think that's a great question. Yeah. We participate in Pentecost. We were prophesying this morning. Uh, Josephine was speaking in tongues. Uh, Wow. It was great worship. Anyway, Okay, so I want to read the resurrection and make a few comments. And, and you know, you won't be out of here at three this afternoon, I promise, okay? <laughs> All right, let's go to Acts chapter one. And we're going to begin in verse two, which is kind of in the middle of things, but it's worth it. Now, now pay attention to this. This is important. So anyway, until the day, and watch the language here. It's talking about Jesus. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So there was a day when he was with them that he was taken up. But, but he could have disappeared anytime. Huh? He's coming and going all the time, right? So he needed to be taken up. The language is important here. So it's interesting, the language describing his ascension here is it's not something that Jesus is doing. It's passive. It's something that's being done to him. This is something heaven is doing to him. Paul explains it is something the Father is doing to him. Whether it's the Father or angels or the Spirit, heaven is acting upon Jesus and he's being extracted and received and then positioned or posited formally into heaven. And it's important that this happens. And This is different than any of his other appearances, okay? And so, okay, we'll go to uh, the next verse. So he, that is Jesus, presented himself alive to them 
after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so whatever Jesus had been instructing them regarding the kingdom of God, for them, a key expectation had not been addressed, right? I mean, they were still waiting, and he was getting taken up. And what they were waiting for was the kingdom to be restored to Israel. That's kind of interesting. All right. So when they'd come together, they asked him, they said, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I love Jesus, Jesus, uh, you know, I love the way Jesus responds. He says to them, it's not for you. <laughs> it's not for you to know times or seasons. By the way, there's been a thousand books published on the times or seasons of this, right? And when it doesn't happen, there's no fallout. <laughs> Except that a lot of people made a lot of money. Okay. So when they had come together, uh, they said, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom? Verse 6. But he says, it's not for you to know the times, that's Kronos, or the seasons, that's Kairos, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. This is in your business right now. Here's your business, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. See, that's our job. Huh? That's our job. All right? Verse 9. And when he had said these things, here we go, as they were looking on, he, he was lifted up. He did not lift himself up. The language here is, is consistent throughout the New Testament. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him, uh, it's again, Jesus is passive and the cloud is active, out of their sight, right? And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men. And we don't even know if these are really angels. They're depicted as angels. There's not a lot of really good depictions of the ascension. Okay, uh, they, it could have been Moses and Elijah for all we know, right? There were two men uh, stood by them in, in white robes, and verse 11, and said, men of Galilee. But I, 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 also, I always want to ask myself this question. They're in Jerusalem. They're Jews. They're Hebrews, but he doesn't call them that. He says, men of Galilee. In other words, they're already on their way. Are you there? This is, this is, this is not a Jerusalem thing. They're already on their way. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? I, <laughs> I almost pictured them kind of like gazing into a cloud or something. And these two, these two guys are looking at them saying, what are you doing here? You know, there's work to be done. There's kingdom work to be done. Okay, uh, for the Jesus was taken up into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. Okay. So what's the ascension deal here? Okay. Why is it important? And why is it something that we can say at long last about? Okay. By the way, I, I love the way uh, uh, movies, uh, especially movies that I've seen, uh, depict the 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 ascension. It's like cinematographers. Grayson, you want to be a cinematographer. Maybe you could figure this out. They don't know how to handle this. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's this one, and I can't remember if it's Zeph or who it is, 
where they said, oh, well, how do we depict this? Do we pick, like, do we pick Jesus just going, you know, kind of like a Tesla rocket ship or something? Or what do we do? But there's this one where the cinematographer decides to, to put the camera in Jesus' position. So, so all the disciples are here, and Jesus is going up, and you see them going down. It's like, and it's like he's, he's a drone, you know? And I just think, this is something, we got to do better than this, because it's, you know, it, we're missing something in how this thing is depicted. It's very difficult for us. Okay, so the ascension is Jesus uh, passing out, really, of a dimension of our presence into an, e- watch this, equally physical dimension of God's presence. He's physical. He's got a body. A bunch of years ago, our worship teams were sent out to Mark Altragi's church, and Mark was preaching on this, and, and he talked about Jesus being in bodily form in heaven. In other words, something in the Godhead, some of you f- philosophers will get this, will love this word, something ontologically changed in the Godhead. Jesus is now physically there in a body, right now as we speak. And the worship team came back and said, is that really true? I said, oh yeah, it's really true. I mean, he's physically there. All right. Now that's not the whole truth, but it's, it is really, really true. And so uh, what's important is this is, uh, this is really, this is really, it's far uh, more than Jesus' exit. Jesus isn't just exiting the earth. This is happening to him, and something is happening to Jesus in his ascension. And the thing we tend to miss as modern readers, which would have been obvious to Luke's uh, obvious, or his, his audience, is this. It's, don't miss this. This is like if we go home this afternoon, this is the most important deal, even though it isn't a slide, okay? Um, the ascension of Jesus is not about Jesus' location. It's about Jesus' position. Well, can we think about that for a second? The ascension of Jesus is not about Jesus' location. It's not important that he goes from here to here. It's important that he is positioned, okay? His position changes, all right? And so uh, when, when, a, when a monarch takes the throne, we, we say, well, they have ascended the throne, and that may be happening with Queen Elizabeth uh, II getting old and her husband just passed away. Uh, and by the way, my wife, Tricia, sitting up here, as a little girl, was at her coronation in 19, was it 1955? Uh, 52, holy cow. So, and she remembers seeing the pomp and the circumstance and all, 53, okay, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, so, I mean, the, the whole world watching as uh, Elizabeth ascends the throne. Little did we know then that she would be the longest reigning monarch in British history. And, and, and so what happened to her isn't even a hair close to what happened when Jesus ascended to the Father in terms of what it means for us, okay? So, so uh, Peter says it this way, he was exalted at the right hand of God. Paul in Ephesians 1 says, he was seated at the right hand in heavenly places. Now watch this, okay? For all of us who are struggling with 
ingrown toenails and financial uh, difficulties, and, and we're doing all this prayer, and, and uh, politically the, the, the country's going to hell in a handbasket, and all this other stuff is far beyond God's control, right? Listen to what Paul says. He says, he is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but every age to come, he has put all things under his feet. He is given to us as a head over all things in the church, in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who dwells all in all. That's pretty cool. Huh? You know, we got this thing that God's equal with the devil and then they're doing this and they're having this fight. Listen, 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 listen. The, the devil isn't a nose hair uh, of authority compared to the grandeur of God. I'm telling you. So yeah, right. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. Can I, you know, really? Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. Well, what's Caesar? There's lots of Caesars around. You know, they even have salads named after them. So <laughs> this was a radical message. This got a lot of Christians in trouble, you know? I mean, some of you have written emails about HR5, and some of you don't even know what that means. You can Google it. And, it, you know, it's a distressing act that can, that's coming before the Senate. And, and what are you going to say about it? What are you going to say about this? What are you going to say about that? Look, this, like, this is like high school civics 101. Go read it. And then pray about it. And then contact your senators. I believe one of your senators won't even care because he's sponsoring it. But, you know, contact your senators. Pray. You, you know, you can do that. You don't need me to do that. Are you there? I mean, it's like it's civics 101, spirituality 101. Is it distressing to the church? Could be. But you find out. And here's something else. I'm going to get a bandwagon here. But here's something else. Don't go read stuff that people are writing about it. You can do that later. Don't go read stuff that people are writing about it who are making their living off of the fear that they engender. Yeah? Go read the thing for yourself. Be people. You know, be citizens. Be, be Christians. You know, I just think... Like, is it only me that does this stuff? Uh, you know, anyway, I'm in my high school civics. Anyway, hallelujah. The message is clear. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. All right? And this is a radical message. I, look, this got the church in a lot of trouble. It could get the church in a lot of trouble. It has always gotten the church in a lot of trouble, that message. That Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not Lord. Are, are you there with me? But whenever the church gets in a lot of trouble, it grows. Amen. And someday I may have to say something up here for which I get prosecuted. You know, I'm getting older now, so it probably happened to one of the younger guys or gals. And, and someday I may say, say something that I get prosecuted for. But... When it happens, man, it's going to be moral and ethical and biblical and not political. And I know there always not, there, there's not always a clear difference, but dang it, it ain't going to be, it's going to be for God. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. 
All right. See, we got a we got an enthroned Jesus. Okay. Well, what's the significance for all of us? Well, the the whole book of Hebrews is really the answer to that question. He ascended to the throne. Watch this. He's greater than any prophet. He's greater than any human leader or ruler. And he rules from heaven. And he has the Father's ear. Right now, he's got the Father's ear. He is our advocate, right? And because he ascended, he's greater than any other priest. And he lives continually, continually to mediate our hearts and lives and problems to God. We get in on that. That's pretty significant. All right. So Easter has nothing to do with us except through the ascension of Jesus. All right. Now, I want to run, run quickly here. You see, for all that we, we, we are familiar with in the events of Holy Week, uh, what wouldn't have happened if the ascension didn't happen is two things. One is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. Huh? Because he said, look, I go to the Father. I go to the Father, and the Father will send the Holy Spirit. Huh? Now, so there's a, there's a necessity of Jesus being before the Father saying, go get him, Father. Send, send the Holy Ghost. This is what Pentecost is all about. Go get him, Dad. Send the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost dwells within us, and the Holy Ghost comes upon us for mission. All right? That's a big deal. Now, I think most of you know that. Here's something I don't think we know. The other reason that he was ascended is called accessibility. What that means is this. C.S. Lewis really develops this greatly in the, in the Great Divorce. Accessibility means that while he was appearing, coming in and out to the 500, to Peter, to, to James, to John, and all that stuff, he was in his physical body, in our physicality. Are you there? Now, he's in his physical body in a very different physicality, right? Where all of us have access to him all the time. We have his ear all the time. But he has the Father's ear all the time. How can we lose? And this is going to be forever. And so, you know, so Trisha can pray uh, or I can pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, uh, give us the catamaran in, in the Bahamas. And, and, and while I'm praying that, Trisha's praying, God, will you straighten his head out? You know, and he hears both of us at the same time. Uh, are you there? I mean, wherever any Christian's praying, he hears. He's on the throne. He's enthroned. He has the power. He has the authority. He is, his name is above every other name. And there's no name greater than his. And we have access to that. Hallelujah. That is pretty cool, man. That is pretty cool. That's called accessibility and, in, and, and indwelling. That's why, you see, Jesus didn't, like, like <laughs> Jesus didn't, you know, after he'd appeared to everybody, he didn't retire to the south of France until, you know, he comes again, okay? <laughs> okay, lastly, lastly, last question we have to answer is, uh, mm. 
Well, it wasn't, let me phrase this, it wasn't Jesus already king because he's God. That's true, right? Okay, but here's the thing that, that we miss because it's, it's really important. When, when, how am I going to say it? When, when Jesus returned to heaven or was returned to heaven and enthroned, he returned differently than he was king before. What do I mean that? He now has a physical body. He's now a son of David. A son of David right now is sitting upon the throne as was prophesied forever. Grubby, do you mean he's never going to be in Israel and their kingdom's not going to be restored? Well, I didn't say that. I said there's a son of David, King David, sitting on the throne forever, and he's our advocate. Yeah? And if he, if he reigns from Jerusalem, or if he does, does it in 2040 or whatever happens, Jesus said, that ain't your business. Your business is to go to Samaria and the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. And you don't have to read all those books looking for the dates. <laughs> Except you make a lot of money for somebody. Anyway, okay. Okay, now here's the final thing that's really, because this is what's significant for us. <sighs> um, all right. I'm sorting through all this. I'll do it this way. Revelation chapter 3. Whosoever overcomes, that's us. How many of us want to be overcomers? How many of us want something to overcome? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a hint for you. It comes anyway, <laughs> whether you want it or not. Okay. Whosoever comes, overcomes. I will come in. I will sit with him and sup with him. And I will give him or her the right to sit with me in my throne as I am enthroned in the Father's throne. So when he was ascended, he sits on the throne. And the church, which is what Paul says, the church. By the way, the church is an important concept here. I mean, there are so many para... I love parachurch ministries, okay? But it's not the church, as it's envisioned in Matthew 16 and 18. See, what we're doing here this morning is really important. That's why we're going to do a, a, a series called The Power of Gathering, okay? And, and that's what the devil wants to, has wanted to stop for the last year. Um, so here's the deal. We're enthroned with him. We have authority. We have power in his name. And we can take it. And when we take it, it, it you know, oh boy. We could do a whole morning on how to take authority. Uh, Barry uh, Falkenstein did it last year. It was great. We, we can, it was last year, yeah. Uh, we, we can take authority in the name of Jesus, we can exercise our throne rights because he's ascended, because he's indwelling, and because he's accessible. And that's, that's worth celebrating. It's worth doing something about. And here's the neat thing. Stuff that wouldn't have happened 
happens because we exercise our authority. I got to say that again. Stuff that wouldn't have happened actually happens because, because we, we, we move in the authority that we're given in fellowship with Christ through the church and through his ascension. That's, that's what ascension is all about. If Jesus hadn't ascended, if Jesus hadn't ascended, the whole purpose of God for history would never have unfolded. Yeah? That's why the early church and why we celebrate ascension right now. So, Jesus shares his power and authority and ministry in ascending us. I, I really hope that, that what, what was just said this morning regarding the ascended Christ, uh, that it doesn't hit home. It actually captivates us. So that when we go pray for a gentleman who's lost both his legs, we have no right to despair because we have authority. That when we lose our jobs, we can smile and, and be a witness to our coworkers because I'm talking about the prophetic activity this morning because we have co-authority with the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand his faithfulness. That we have uh, the ear of the Father through the mouth of the Son because we understand we have authority. And that's why ascension was so important. When I envision the ascension, I, you know, I just don't envision a rocket ship. I, I just envision Jesus being subsumed into the greatness of heaven and seeing something like we can not ask or imagine or think for. And we're going to see that when he comes again. Yeah! Yeah! Hallelujah! Amen. So, I want to pray for I want to pray authoritatively for, I have, a, I have some authority, certainly not of my own making, just by being a pastor, because it's a gift, you know, it's not by my own making. But I have an authority that has to be exercised in all humility, right? And, and uh, but I believe it's real. And I want to pray for a revelation to come upon everyone whether you're listening uh, on live stream or you're here, I want to pray for a tacit real revelation of how much authority we have in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of our enthroned one, in the name of, of, of this higher than any other name, whose character is beyond any other character, is more than we can ask or think. Right now, involved in what we're doing, right now, I pray and then we pray for a revelation of our authority in Christ coming into the new season. Ho, la cita, Carlos. And I release it right now in Jesus' name. Now, ah, Let's just receive in the name of Jesus. Receive, receive. Oh, receive in the name of Jesus. Receive. Ah. Okay. And one other thing to say, it just occurred to me while I was praying. 
got to remember, I got to stay up here. Uh, I want to get close to you, you know, to say this. Um, see, the disciples said, look, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel right now? Now, they already knew the kingdom came because Jesus taught them all about the kingdom, right? And the kingdom is what we're talking about doing. But watch this. Jesus says, thought for you to know the times and the seasons. But Peter, in Acts chapter 3, says this. He says, you need to repent from your sins in order that, this is, this is where morality and ethics come in. You need to repent from your sins in order that God may, may send times, or, or kairos, times of refreshing for the restoration of all things. In other words, the pattern from now until Jesus comes again and restores all things, whatever that means, is that we need revivals. These are times of refreshing. This church, the church at large across the world, needs a monumental time of refreshing. Are you there? I believe God's poised and positioned and pinioned to give it. Do you? So let's believe for it. Let's pray for it. Let's worship for it in the name that's above every other name. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.